I am Jimbo Paris, and you are listening to the Jimbo Paris Show. And today we've got Candice. Let's see what she has to say. Hi. All right. So can you give me a brief summary of who you are, what you're about, and what your message is? Yes. Uh, I'm Candice Berlanga. I'm a certified feng shui practitioner. I'm a red ribbon professional with the International Feng Shui Guild. Uh, so that's who I am. So what I do is I'm a feng shui consultant and um, I host the Learn Feng Shui uh, podcast. So that's, that's kind of what I do for work in a nutshell. So my message really with feng shui, I, I like to be able to help people get clarity in their lives. So I think a lot of people, um, including me, turn to like alternative methods when they have experienced something in their life that they can't seem to get unstuck from. And for me, that was feng shui. And I think for a lot of people, they kind of turn to the alternative um, for the same reason. So my goal or my really my passion is to help people get kind of unstuck in their lives using feng shui. Can you tell me a little bit about what feng shui is? Because yes. I have no idea. Yeah. Okay. So yes. And this is perfect because this is the way I like to explain it. A lot of people aren't familiar with feng shui or they may have like heard it in passing. And I think the most common association people make with feng shui is like decluttering or cleaning or like the art of placement is what people make the association with. But it's actually a lot more. So feng shui, um, the way I explain it is, and so have you ever moved your furniture around your home and the space felt different? And I think most people can kind of relate to that, like their home. Once you adjust your furniture around, you move your furniture, your space feels different. You're very right about that. There's a certain vibe, I feel like. Even if if like a room is really messy, you sort of feel messy mentally. But if my room is clean, I kind of feel a lot more open, a lot more relaxed. Yes. And that hits the nail on the head, because if you think about the way you feel in your own space versus the way you feel in somebody else's home, you know, there's a different vibe or different feeling to it. And so that's the easiest way I can kind of explain feng shui. A more technical way I can explain feng shui is feng shui is actually part of what is called the five arts of Chinese metaphysics. So Chinese metaphysics is this big umbrella of like astrology, Chinese medicine, a more esoteric like uh, practice that actually falls into like the category with like martial arts and stuff like that. So it'd be something you would go and study with uh, a master to do, usually um, sigil making. Um, so like the thing that's more, the more kind of woo-woo side of, of things. So, so that's one, two, three, four. Oh, and a life and destiny readings are one, which is Eastern astrology. Another one would be uh, divination. So um, different yep. systems of divination. And then feng shui actually falls into the category called physiognomy. So physiognomy, I know, so I was doing a little research for your show when you invited me on. And one of the, the people that I watched was a palm reader. And so it's physiognomy is literally the study or, of the appearance of the shape of things. And so a palm reading falls into the category of physiognomy. And so does face reading. But so does feng shui. So feng shui is literally just the study of the appearance of your environment. Now, how does one actually study the appearance of their environment? Are there certain <laughs> patterns you look for? Like, I don't know, the desk has to face east or, or something. 
that's definitely part of it. Um, so feng shui is very, it can be very personal um, to the person because we all have personal energy. Um, before I kind of get into that, I'll say there's a couple different, there's many different schools of thought on feng shui, but I kind of break it down to a more a classical Eastern approach to feng shui, which is it comes from, you know, the ancient scrolls and texts. It's that study of the form and appearance. It can be the way mountains are shaped around you coming from the environment. It can be the way water is the shape of the water around you. And really the way the land is around you is where your feng shui starts. But it, yeah, it's literally um, just the appearance of the, the way your space is set up. So that's kind of the basic form of it. And then there's another school of thought that's a more Western version that people are most familiar with. And I wish I would have had my, my little props. Let me grab something. So a lot of people are more familiar with feng shui, you know, where they put little items like this out. You might go to the, uh, you know, store and you might see little feng shui items, you know, little uh, knots tied on strings or little crystals and stuff like that. And so that's a more Western uh, view of feng shui. And that one kind of, uh, it goes off more of like an intuitiveness and setting intention for your space. But what I do is I literally, uh, with classical feng shui, it's more based on um, the orientation of your home within a space and tapping into the natural environment um, and to tap into what is called chi or energy. Yeah, so you mentioned chi. I'm quite familiar with that. That's, that's life force, right? Yes, it can be kind of described as like a life force. Yes, yes. Okay, and I'm trying to get my head around this. So are you yeah. basically a feng shui architect in a sense? You kind of design a room to work with this feng shui. Now, before you even answer that, I just want to know, what benefits does feng shui actually sort of like provide to someone? So... Let's, let's start with what I would do going into a home. So I would literally take, this is what is called a low pan. So in classical feng shui, you can kind of see it has a bunch of different uh, demarcations and, and all kinds of stuff like that. And there's a different variety of these kind of uh, low pans. So I would actually take a measurement of the way your home is facing and sitting. And so I might get a measurement that your home faces like north, right? but it would be a more specific degree of north. And so, you know, if I, if I come in and say, oh, your home is facing north, we're able to map the energy out in the space and say, this is the kind of chi or energy that you're getting, you know, in this room. And based on your personal energy, you know, this room is better for you to sleep. We can find good sleeping positions to help you get a better night's sleep. Um, you're, that actually also correlates to like your health and your relationships. And so the most important areas would be like your bedroom, your kitchen location, your let me see, bedroom, kitchen location, and like your front door, because that's what receives the energy. So your kitchen your stove relates a lot to your health too. So there's just different assessments I would make when I come in and look, depending on what your concern is in life. So we focus on different areas depending on what you want to focus on. Okay. And have you noticed maybe a specific benefit people get by having more feng shui in their house? And is there a possibility that you could go feng shui overboard and it's a little bit too nitpicky? Like, I don't know, like specifically the garbage has to face this direction and 
you know, the plates all have to be aligned this way when you put them in, you know, the dishwasher. I don't even know. But <laughs> how right? specific does it have to be? So what happens is you have you actually have different um, types of energy throughout, you know, time, right? Everything's kind of based on since it, the principles come from like Talus um, cosmology and the shaping of the land, everything is based on a time cycle. And so, you know, a house that is it, it has like good feng shui, um, you, you want to let's let's start this. I talked to, before about like the mountains and the water, right? So mountains and water are very essential in feng shui. I actually live in West Texas, so I have neither. <laughs> but you still have a little bit of a contour to a land. Um, your surroundings tell a lot about the type of energy you're receiving. And so the best like feng shui environment, it really is one with a lot of uh, pretty natural features. Um, but if you start with a good feng shui, the way your house is oriented, and good external features, um, you know, you want to make sure your yards are cleaned up. You want to make sure there's not um, electric pylons really close in pro close proximity. You know, um, there's some things you look for in your external environment. And that's really the best way to start out. You can really get too nitpicky, yes, on, on some things. But really, um, again, the goal of classical feng shui is to collect and receive and hold on to the energy that's circulating around you. And so that's really done by um, making sure you have a good external environment and that your home opens up to like a good, good energy and is able to receive it. And there's just some different things we look for. And that is based on the appearance, you know, the way your door is, um, is there stuff blocking your door, you know? And so I think, again, just kind of going back to the most common because feng shui can be very complex. And so going back to the most the most common association, which is like decluttering and cleaning and keeping your space free of all that, um, you know, because that stops the flow of that energy. Um, so I just always tell people to start there. So starting with um, just keeping their immediate environment clean and declutter, because as you mentioned, clutter actually does, it increases stress, especially visual clutter. It increases the stress in our brain. And so um, that's not exactly part of feng shui, but it is um, true. You know, it is true when your space feels cluttered. Um, that also means you feel stressed out. And that means you're not receiving um, that best flow of energy to your space. And so what are oh, some what? scenarios where poor feng shui may have led to a certain complication or issue? Have you ever noticed that? Like maybe who knows? Just just give me a few examples on the ways poor feng shui can impact our environment? Well, you know, a lot of it depends on the way your home, again, is oriented. And then if we go again, looking back to the, the five arts category, we look at the astrology, the Eastern astrology of each person, an individual in the home. You know, you might live in a home for like 20 years and you might not have any issues, but then all of a sudden you have health issues. Well, is that the home? Or is it just your personal energy? You know, what's what's affecting it? And so we kind of, it's just really an assessment that's made. There's a bunch of kind of factors and some things we really have to sift through. But what happens if we determine it's, you know, it's bad feng shui? Um, there's certain things you look for, like, you know, is your door facing a bad um, incoming energy? Like, say you open your front door and there's very sharp, like, roof lines 
or maybe they start a construction in another area around you, that can also affect the energy around you. Usually what is coming into your front door, look directly at your front door and what you see is really the type of energy you're getting. But with that being said, the way your home faces, sometimes your home connects directly to different people in your home. So I noticed my home, I've been doing some um, mastermind classes and stuff like that. And I learned that my home actually faces a direction that most affects my children. And um, so I think we'll probably be looking at selling within the next few years because um, it's, what happens is when you have a really good energy coming in, you have a really good year coming in, um, you know, energies change all the time. And so um, the year may change and it might affect you personally, or it might affect your home in a certain way. And that really depends on um, the way your home's oriented and a bunch of different factors, your personal energy and, um, and what area of the home is affected by a negative energy. So hopefully that so, makes sense. <laughs> so what I'm getting from this is haunted houses have very bad feng shui. You know, there is definitely some uh, feng shui aspect to that. There are certain combinations of energy you look for. Um, yeah, to see if a house is haunted. <laughs> so yeah, they do. Not necessarily bad, but sometimes certain combinations of energy you can see uh that when certain activities start at home <laughs> now if energy is always changing th these are when i'm thinking about this these are a lot of different parameters you have to look for so yes. do you have sort of any tools any measurement systems what is the sort of expertise that you have and how do you get it in order to know where all this energy is going you know, a feng shui is really a lifelong study. It really is because, you know, when you start out, I don't recommend anyone starting out, you know, with, you know, learning each ring of the Lopan. Each one of these actually means something. Each one of them is an energy that you can tap into in, during certain conditions. But that takes a little bit of intuition also. The one of the reasons I was drawn more to the classical view of feng shui is because it's very linear. There's very specific patterns of energy that they go through these time cycles and looking at the time cycles, you can actually predict when things may happen. So yeah, it's, it's really just a thing of continued education and learning. And with all these, <laughs> and, and with all these different patterns that you look for, mm -hmm. what are some of the best client success stories? And with these client success stories, what are some of the the patterns you notice commonly with a lot of people in the West, at least, that have bad feng shui? You know, I, I don't think I've ever, so I haven't come across anyone that has just like bad feng shui where I'm like, oh my gosh, you should like move your home or anything. Um, most of the time, all it takes is like maybe moving another room. You know, I've, I've had people have success like moving to a different room and sleeping in a different room in their home. When you have an established pattern of energy within a home, um, again, there's different time cycles that affect your home. So you may be living in your home. There's there's time cycles that affect your home over like a 20 year period of time. There's time cycles that affect your home over a yearly period of time, a monthly period of time, daily period of time. But we're not going to go back down to that minute of a detail. Usually what happens is you set up that feng shui for you know, someone to live in their home for a good 20 years, especially if they have bought a home. 
And then yearly, you can make adjustments. And this is what I do a lot for, for clients. Um, a lot of times they're not ready to um, make super big changes. So usually what I'll do is I'll have them do what is called a, a feng shui wealth activation. By doing, again, some calculations and looking at some different energies, we're able to make a formula within their home. We're able to map out energy and say, you know, you should do an activation, which usually includes like placing a fish tank out, something that moves the, in, in the area. And so my favorite ones are the clients that I've had that have I've done wealth activations and they've said like, you know, my business has been busier or I've had, so I've had a few of those. I just started doing those these year, uh, this year, because most of the time I've, you know, before this, I've done the long-term feng shui setups for people. This is something new I've implemented into my, my practice. And so, yeah, those are my favorite ones where they say like my business is busier. And so those are my favorite stories. Because most of the time people, you know, money's not everything, but most of the time people want to, you know, get something going, you know, it, it definitely helps. And so a lot of the people that I deal with own a business or they're, you know, they're starting a business or something like that. And it kind of helps push them along. And that's what I like. And what are your typical clients? Is it more individual people or is it corporate businesses that are actually looking for feng shui as well? You know, so most of my clients, they really are, you know, they own their own business and they just need more business. This typically what I tend to attract. So I think it's because, you know, they say you attract where you're at in life, right? And so my husband owns his own business. I own my own business. And so I tend to attract those people that like maybe own a small local business. So that's what I tend to, to kind of work with. These are the type of people I tend to work with. Do brick and mortar businesses tend to attract more people when they have good feng shui they do they wow. do yeah yeah that's and a pretty you know, big deal why do you think so yeah you know again it's all about your environment so if you have an environment that's supportive to your business and you have an environment that invites people in you're you're going to be busier you know you have a good location it's the same thing with feng shui it's location 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 you know the location is the most important thing so um, you asked earlier about those changing time cycles. And again, finding a good location for your business or your home and starting out with a good location is really the most important thing with feng shui because then you can kind of tweak other things within it and you don't have to keep changing every year. Um, you don't have to do the yearly wealth activations. Some people just want to set their feng shui and, you know, live their life and call me if they have a problem. How did you apply feng shui to your life? You know, much the same way. It's been a lot of trial and error. A lot of trial and error because when you first start out you want to try everything and you kind of talked about cases of bad feng shui earlier <laughs> and i think i want to do a series on bad feng shui because i've talked to other people too that they've done too much to their home and overly activated things well when i first started doing feng shui i was excited and i wanted to do everything and so I, I basically like I moved my son up to a different room. I, you know, we renovated our home and all kinds of stuff. But I realized a lot of the I wasn't applying a lot of the things I know now. And I really feel like I did everything wrong. I overly activated the home. I did too much and I did have a lot of issues. And so a lot of that what I've done now to kind of negate some of that. I mean, it the energy eventually does settle down, you know, it eventually settles down. But what I've done to kind of, you know, not overly activate the area is really just pay attention to 
um, what I'm doing at that time. You don't want to do renovations in an area that has bad feng shui for the year. You know, I talked about those yearly energies. You don't want to do renovations. Um, you want to pick a good date and time to start renovations. Do activations on a good date and time, and it calms the energy in your home. When it comes to this uh, feng shui, what sort of, are there levels of change that usually go on? Like, is there always a first step? Like, how do you tackle each problem to optimize the feng shui? Like, do you first start off with maybe, I don't know, what direction is the house facing? Then next, this and this. I just want to give people sort of a general rule system to think about to easily apply function well that that <laughs> that would probably have to be done like you know in a formal like feng shui class because there's many different ways to start doing feng shui but mm. kind of going back to what i talked about really being aware of the way you feel in a space is what i would say to start out with you know don't worry about you know looking at this low pan don't worry about doing a feng shui activation you know don't don't worry about those things first. First and foremost, how do you feel in your space? You know, I always tell people don't make really big changes right away. I take people through small changes and kind of in increments depending on their goal. So I recently had a client who um, she just wanted, she wants to get her mom married. She wants her mom to be married. And we haven't worked on that goal yet, but one of the things I had them do is change rooms, you know? And so the, she was actually, the mom was using master bedroom. And so I just had them switch rooms. It's a better energy for her to have the master bedroom with her husband and for her mom to be in a different bedroom. And not only that, the master bedroom, it really is like the person that owns the home that commands the home should be there. And so it, it's, it's just making some small changes incrementally like that. We'll work on mom um, finding a love match later, but sometimes, you know, it's, it's those small changes first. So I will never tell anyone like move your whole house or move your room around or, you know, everything like that. I'll give them a good date and time that they can pick from, you know, a few dates, a few times that would be, you know, easiest for them to do. Like if they work and they can't do, I'll, I'll try and pick some good, a good day on a weekend for them to move things around or do a different activation. But usually it's just small changes at first and being aware of the way they feel in the space. And why is it always small changes at first? Why not big dramatic changes? I mean, so let me tell you. <laughs> Let me tell you, um, kind of going, that's from my personal experience, kind of going back to making too many changes at one time. Again, I feel like my house was overly activated. I activated all the bad areas of my home. Um, looking at those yearly energies, you know, you have yearly energies that come in. There's certain areas you want to avoid. So what happens is I break the house down into nine different um, sectors. So you have your north, south, east, and west, right? The literal north south east and west you know and then your subsectors like north uh west northeast south north uh, southwest and southeast right you you know those directions and so i i map out their floor plan i tell them these are the areas within your home but certain areas for the year are afflicted with negative energies and so you can't use all those areas and so you know you might already be sleeping in the area it's okay. It's already an established pattern of energy. You're not overly activating anything, but what you're not going to want to do is do the renovations that year. So say you want to renovate a bathroom that year and it's in an area that's afflicted with a, a more negative energy for the year. 
you're you're not going to want to do that. And so I would tell them, you know, wait till after the new year and we can look at some dates, you know, and and start on a good day because starting on a good day actually triggers good energy. So making small changes and starting um, on moving things on a good day, it triggers a really good energy for your home. Moving everything around is haphazard, you know, um, especially starting renovations and knocking out walls, digging, things like that can really be a big trigger of energy for your space and you might not like the results. So start slow. <laughs> when it comes to a uh, feng shui in general, how does the scaling of feng shui work? Can we say, okay, the feng shui of the house is good, but then what if the person now has a mansion or a boat house or a boat mm -hmm. or a car, or maybe it's oh, the yeah. feng shui of the town or a feng shui of, the country. What is the level of scaling when it comes to feng shui? Um, so you can. So there is there's there's people that say you can like feng shui your car or your wallet or your clothes and all that. And so, again, that's a little bit different school of thought. That's a more Western view of feng shui. You know, maybe they want to drive a certain color car or wear a certain color. And it's just a different um, school of thought on feng shui. So I don't follow that um, because, again, I kind of go back to that literal definition of feng shui, which is the appearance of your environment. And so but when it comes to like towns, yes, different towns can have better feng shui than others. Um, literally, like the highest form of feng shui where you won't really need to, you know, adjust things within your home really is starting again with that good environment and you can plan cities and developments and, and everything around an area that has a really good um, energy to it. If you think of, um, I was looking a while back at Calabasas. If you think of the way Calabasas, California is, it has these beautiful mountains around it. Well, mountains and feng shui are said to govern um, people. And of course it has water around it and water is said to govern wealth. So when you look at, you know, purchasing a home, again, I don't really have landform here. It's what's called landform. But um, looking at, uh, you know, is there a beautiful mountain surrounding the town? Is there a, a lovely water source? Um, that is your biggest clue into, you know, are you getting good feng shui for your area? We're talking about uh, feng shui. What I'm thinking about here is, I think a lot of times, perhaps when people think about this, their first thought is, man, if I get someone to do this, I'm afraid. She may tell me, you know, to move out or make some huge drastic change or maybe, I don't know, sleep in the basement. You know, are the changes usually dramatic, dramatic, life-changing changes to your environment? So it can be life-changing, yes. Um, but what I would say is, again, I never ask anyone to just jump into it. I tell them to start slow. You know, it's just like, so it's just like starting a business, going back to, you know, businesses. You know, I think most people know, like, the overnight success thing is a myth, right? It's a, it's a myth. And so the, it's the same thing with feng shui. There's not really, like, overnight successes with feng shui. But by saying that, I have had successes with wealth activations that have worked really quickly, which I can come back to. <laughs> um, but... You know, sleeping in the area, like I don't have anyone like just, you know, you got to move a crazy room or whatever. I get them used to the idea first. Sometimes they're not willing to move, but we can position their bed in a better position for them so we can get the best energy position for their room. So I never ask anyone to like go crazy and do a lot of things or 
it, redecorating is not even really on, on the radar because again, it's really about collecting and holding the chi rather than it is about what you're putting in the space. So it's about how you use the space. Oh, okay. And when it comes to going further with this, feng shui is, well, what I'm getting from this is feng shui is more of a, it's not really an approach, but it's more of a lifestyle. And you are slowly cultivating this lifestyle of feng shui in order to get the optimal benefits of energy in your environment. Well, think about this. The, the way you actually orient yourself within the space can make the change. You know, um, feng shui, so at its core, it's geomancy. So it's tapping into the best energy in, in the earth, you know, and you're doing the same thing within your home. All you're doing is finding the best parts, the most vibrant energy in your home. And you're using those to like work. You don't want to sleep in a vibrant energy because you'll be, you know, you won't sleep well. <laughs> and so you want a more calm energy for your room, you know? And um, so it's just, it's really purposing your space for your, your life, you know, it's purposing and tapping into the energy, um, for the, uh, the goals you have. So okay. first, like, and, um, what are some, I know feng shui can vary very heavily, but what are some simple common concepts or common rules people can follow to kind of better balance the energy? So again, the most important areas within the home are going to be like your front door, because that's the way you receive the energy, um, your bedroom, because that's, you know, we spend like, I, I can't remember, I think it was like 70% of our life, but no, I'm just kidding, you know, it was a big, it was a big uh, number, 20% of our life, something. So we spend a lot of that our part of our life sleeping. So we're in our room a lot. Our room and our bed relate to like health and our relationship with our partner. And um, you can even position it to have a good like a good career so your bed's very important and then your stove because it's literally where you cook and you have your nutrition and everything and so having those three things and making sure those three areas so front door stove and your bed um are good are following um the feng shui concept which if you and when you work to having a solid wall behind you um when you're sleeping so you don't want to put like your bed up against a window there's some some little things like that not having a sloped ceiling over you because it oppresses the flow of energy you know there's just some some very basic concepts like that and when it comes to feng shui do you think you've reached your personal goals when it comes to optimizing feng shui in your life you know, no, I don't, because I really think I would love to build a home and have the opportunity to build me and my family a home and orient it uh, the way I want using feng shui. So that would be, I think, my my main goal, because, again, when you have you start out with good energy and you start out with a good um, orientation, the way your home sits and faces um, for you and your family it's it's pretty good you don't have to adjust all the things within your home so i would love to to be able to build a home and what sort of motivated you to kind of dive deeper into this feng shui and make it into a business how did you turn this into a business model and how do you motivate your clients in order to get into this? well um it doesn't take much motivation on the client's part because most of the time when people reach out to me they they know they want to apply feng shui to their home or business 
But um, what motivated me really is I was just, it was so interesting to me, so fascinating. And when I started doing it, I just knew, like, I came from, I was a stay-at-home mom for quite a while. Previous to that, I, I worked outside the home. I, I used to do hair. And um, so I stayed home when my daughter was about two years old. I decided to stay home full-time. And when I discovered feng shui, I started doing feng shui for myself. Um, it was actually my first mentor and the woman who did feng shui for me. Um, her name was Tina Falk. Um, she came to our home. She did our feng shui and she adjusted some things around. But she was actually like, I have a certification program. Um, and I was like, this is, I, I want to learn more. Like, I want to learn more to be able to um, apply feng shui, you know, to, for other people too. And so I took a certification course. And so I think going, even going into that certification course, I knew it was something that I wanted to make a business and, you know, be able to work from home and everything like that. So for me, it was just, it was never really a question of what I wanted to, to, to do with my feng shui. Now you seem very certain and adamant about your goals and what you wanted. How does one kind of cultivate those qualities to just pursue what you the same way you did well you know a, a lot of it does have to do with my personal energy i kind of mentioned the destiny readings um so i don't know how familiar you are, you are with astrology um even even western astrology does what is called a natal reading so i do eastern astrology most people are most familiar with um you know the sign of the dragon or the sign of the snake you know most people know like what year they were born like but you actually have an animal sign for um, the year, month, day, and hour that you're born. And so you have four different animal signs. Um, and looking at that, looking at the energy and the interaction of energy within a person's natal chart or the Eastern astrology chart tells a lot about the person. Um, not everybody is going to be, you know, is, is motivated, you know, or, or know exactly what they want. Um, one of the things I love to do is help people um, kind of get that clarity in life. That's one of the things I like to do with the astrology readings is, you know, kind of help people like, what do they want? Where are they going? And how do they kind of get unstuck in life? But, you know, it's really can be a conscious choice because yeah, we're born with this energy, you know, we're born, I might, you know, you're obviously, you know, different from me. I'm different from my kids, my husband, you know, everyone's different. Right. And so, knowing like, okay, this person, like for me, I tend to procrastinate. I do. I'm, I'm a big procrastinator, but looking at my astrology, I know that. And so just knowing like, okay, I'm procrastinating right now. And I can, all I have to do is like, not, you know, I, I need to get to work. Like I need to do that. But looking at that and understanding, you know, these are like my shortcomings or these are my strengths. You can change that. It's not set in stone, you know? And that's one of the things that I like about understanding, you know, that energy is kind of understanding that we can change that at any time. And how do you cultivate that understanding that you could change that energy anytime? Because we're not we're not stuck with with that, you know. Most of that is the way we feel internally. You know, it's the way we feel, it's the way we perceive the world. And it might be the type of energy we're receiving, but we still have the choice to say, you know, I don't want to feel a certain way or I don't I don't I know this this Thing may happen. I see a change coming. You can see like changes, you know, based on the, remember we talked about the yearly energies. Well, that goes the same for your, your natal chart. Like this year is the year of the ox, you know? And so people that have the sign of the goat 
you know, depending on where it falls in our natal chart, we'll see a change this year. And so when you see those predictable patterns of energy, you're able to say, okay, I have a change coming up in like my friend circle, you know, maybe my social circle is going to change this year. Maybe my career is going to change. Maybe my relationship's looking at a change. And then you can consciously make that change. So it doesn't have to be something that's traumatic or, you know, that we're just victims to. It kind of helps you take charge and say okay well i can change that because i see that coming and that's what i like and where does the passion for feng shui come from you say that's what i like that's what i love i feel this passion where does it come from you know it's just so fascinating to me you know starting out i just knew that you know okay your bed needs to be in a good position or you know and just kind of those understandings but when i you start looking through and you start reading books, you know, you, you look, uh, at least I did, you, I look at those things and I just think this is so interesting. Um, a lot of it comes from, I have a podcast called the Learn Feng Shui podcast. And um, I started doing that really to raise awareness. This is um, kind of goes back to your question earlier about how do I like motivate people or, you know, what's my motivation um, to educate people, I think on this big subject of feng shui. So my goal was really just started out giving people like a tip, you know, I just want to do feng shui tips daily. So I was doing that for a little while. But when I started looking, I was doing research and learning more too. I just found like this treasure trove of like weird stuff. And to me, weird is like the best. Like I love weird. Like you talked about hauntings earlier. Like I, I talk about all that. I love it. <laughs> and so um, it's just this treasure trove of like weird, you know, interesting things that you can also tie in, not just to feng shui, but all the other parts, again, of, you know, Chinese metaphysics. So I just find it fascinating. And then you always find something new. Why do you think it's important to educate people about feng shui? Well, again, earlier I talked about two different schools of thought on feng shui. And I think if, if people, they need to know what they're, what they're studying, you know, um, they might choose the, the, you know, Western style of feng shui, it just differs from mine. But in, in, I want them to know, like, when they choose that, like, what they're choosing, you know. And so I always tell people, like, this is, this is my truth on feng shui. And this is, like, what I've learned. This is what I've, you know, got practice in. You know, I'm still always learning. Um, but just to educate people on what feng shui is, you know, that's, that's the classical true um, essence of feng shui. And, you know, if you're practicing something else, there's different schools of thought, like for them to not be confused. And um, I know I, when I came back from my feng shui training, you know, you can only do so much in a week, especially learning feng shui. And so I started studying more and learning more and I took more courses. And, you know, I, and I think, people, you know, you, you look up how to do something online. You like, how do I feng shui my room? You'll get like, you know, a hundred different answers. And the reason is because people practice different styles of feng shui. So I just, I think to raise awareness and make people understand, you know, there's just different styles of feng shui. And this is, this is where I'm at. Oh, I noticed you were mentioning Eastern feng shui a lot and then Western feng shui. Can you yes. give a hard description on the two differences between them? Yes. 
So um, Eastern Feng Shui or Classical Feng Shui, it will use uh, something like this. You can just use a compass, but it goes off the actual like compass direction that your home is facing. And so that's Eastern Feng Shui. But Western Feng Shui, it's, it's sometimes called front door Feng Shui or BTV Feng Shui. And it's like a fixed map that you would lay over a room or a space. And so, you know, they, they say things like, there's a prosperity area or a family area and, and they kind of attribute like the nine areas to different life areas and so whereas i would just go off north south east and west you know um western feng shui would say this area relates to your relationships and family or this area relates to your wealth so it's just like a fixed energy mapping of the area as opposed to taking into account personal energy and the direction your home faces I would have to have a visual to show you. I would love to have a visual to be able to show you. <laughs> I don't have one. Why did you choose Easter? It just resonated with me. So I'm very linear. Like I want to see a predictable pattern. I want to see, you know, that I can go at somebody's home and I can look and their home face is north, you know, and I can look and I'm like, oh, there's, you know, a electric pylon here. This is how my, it might be affecting their home. It's just very, it's very step by step. And it's very just, again, those predictable patterns of energy. So that's why I picked it. It's, it's, to me, it's easiest to predict using these different principles. Now, I noticed the steps you mentioned, but what do you mean by patterns of energy? So that's a good question. Um, there's many different patterns of energy, and most of them are based on planetary alignment. So, you know, again, planets move all the time. And so the energy is always moving within our space. And so some of them are real planets some of them are what are called virtual planets and i don't understand the concept too much myself so i won't so I won't speak too much on that but looking at these where these energies are you're able to see different things um, looking at time cycles you're able to see different things i mentioned the the uh chinese astrology eastern astrology so again there's 12 different animal signs so they repeat in a very predictable pattern of of 60 different characters. So, you know, when those, you know, patterns repeating, then you might see a repetitive cycle. So for example, um, this month, the month, uh, well, actually, yeah, the month that's coming up. So the month of October, right? The month of October is going to be the month of the fire rooster. And so the fire rooster, like we're going to see a repetition of some things that happened in 2017 because it was the year of the fire rooster. And so we can kind of look at that and say, okay, I see this, you know, the animal science coming back up. We know that some things are going to happen that may repeat, you know, maybe we feeling this certain energy. Um, actually, September was fire rooster. Sorry. Um, yeah. So we just look at those, those repeating patterns of energy. Um, 2018 was the year of the earth dog. That's going to be for October. So the next few months, we're going to see a repetition of energy over the last few years. So I don't know how, so how has your month, you know, gone for you? Have you noticed that it's been more stressful? Has it been okay? And we can kind of look back on those years and say, oh, that year may have been more stressful for me, or I maybe felt, you know, had these things happen. And so now I know that this month is repeating. It's a repetitive energy that, you know, I can, I can see that that's how I felt in that year, if that makes sense. That does. And how would you forecast a lot of the years concerning the major event of COVID? Can you kind of give me sort of the feng shui that happened there? Yeah. So... 
you know, I, I don't know enough about like predicting world events. There is masters that do that. And I think those are actually marked by large scale, like global events, like a pandemic, you know, but um, the feng shui master, the very first one that I heard talk about classical feng shui, his name is Joey Yap. He somewhat predicted, you know, the COVID, like he usually does a yearly astrology event. He announced he would not be traveling to the States. And he was not able to, you know, he wasn't able to, to travel at all. And so um, talking about, you know, the pandemic, I kind of, I will just say that I'll probably predict there'll probably be another surge during the month of December because last year, 2020 was the month of the metal rat. Well, December is going to be a repeat of that month. You know, it's the month of the metal rat. And so I kind of think we'll have a, probably another resurgence there. You know, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Every year that starts with the year of the rat, I will say is very unstable. The last year of the rat, even though it was a different uh, element associated with it. So it was, I uh, can't remember what it was because I didn't do astrology then, but <laughs> it, uh, we had the housing, you know, crisis. And so every, it seems like every year of the rat is, is a little bit unstable. So I will say that. I will say that. But again, world events are a little bit harder to predict and they're done on like a, a more global scale. And I want to say that I heard they use different, like different natural disasters and things like that to see a pattern to predict, but that's not something I know how to do. I notice as well, feng shui seems to be very predictive. Mm -hmm. How does that work? Again, it's just the repetitive, repetitive energies. You know, you know that a year's coming in. It could affect your house more, just depending on the way your house faces certain orientations, you won't have that. And so, yeah, looking at the way your house is oriented and looking at the person's and the occupant's personal energy, you can be able to see like what's going on. And when it comes to this, why is having awareness, why was it so beneficial to you? Did this feng shui aspect carry over to other things in your life too? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure I understand. Did feng shui impact your life in a more positive way outside of just keeping your home balanced? Oh, yeah. Yes, it has. Uh, well, I will say one of the things that I've, I've loved is the connections that I've made with people. Um, a lot of different feng shui practitioners, different styles of feng shui. And so the community is very welcoming. It's very, it's a lovely community. And um, so, yeah, I think even just looking at that, I'd say I made some really lovely friends and really nice connections. So yeah, I, I, I feel like, you know, before, at least for me, you know, I wasn't, I didn't have like a lot of friends that I had a deep, like meaningful connection with. It was just, you know, and passing friends. But I think whenever you, you share a subject or you share something that's, you know, like I kind of niche, you know, and you're able to kind of share that with somebody and make some nice connections. I've connected with some really nice people. And when it comes to feng shui, how does teaching feng shui work? I noticed you mentioned that a few times. Yeah, I do. So I do. Um, if anyone is interested in, you kind of talked about some of those beginning areas of feng shui. I do have the Learn Feng Shui YouTube channel. And I had I do monthly um, just a free feng shui workshop. And over the past like three or four months, I've done feng shui basics where it's, it breaks it down very easily. I talk about what's important to look for in that area, you know, and so you can kind of start out with that. But in teaching feng shui, again, starting out slow and starting out with 
the person's level of understanding. Cause I mean, a lot of this may have gone over people's heads, you know, I mean, I, I've, I've tried to make it just as simple and easy as possible, but sometimes it's cause it's, it can be very complex, but yeah, I try to just break it down and keep it very simple. Yeah. Don't be afraid to name drop. You could tell your website and all that other stuff. Oh, okay. Too. <laughs> yeah. It's just the learn function It's learnfunctionway.com and um, all places, podcasts is available everywhere. And, yeah, everything's at Learn Feng Shui. So, your website. What types of services do you specifically provide, especially now, kind of post pandemic? Um, yeah. So I, I mean, I'm just working virtually right now. I think a lot of people still are, but yeah, on the Feng Shui by Candace.com website, <laughs> I do have a consulting page, and so that's a consulting page. Um, it's very vast. It has a lot of resources on there. I am trying to take some of that off and move it over to specifically the Learn Feng Shui page. But yeah, I actually offer a free energy mapping. I talked about you know laying the floor plan out and showing people where there's those areas are within their home and kind of explaining to them about those areas and understanding um you know what kind of energy is in that area and that's something i actually offer to do for free you can contact me and send me your floor plan in and we can chat for a few minutes i'll send you some information and you'll be able to follow along a little bit easier i think that some of the the workshops and stuff that I do, if you have that energy mapping available in front of you. Is it better for people to ask advice on feng shui from you or to just learn it themselves? Well, so, you know, they don't have to just follow me. I will say that I don't think you should just learn from one person. A lot of times over time, you'll kind of develop your own style and see what works for you. But I would say, look at reputable sites, people that are like certified is what I would say. Um, again, because there's so many different styles, um, you might get confused if you don't understand that. So just understand going in that there's different styles of feng shui. And, um, you know, I would say, just start in, if you want to learn formally, I would suggest going to like a certified class, you know, that's what I would suggest. But if you're just looking to improve some things, if you want to move some things around your home, yeah, start, just start looking, start following some different feng shui masters. Um, I actually did a series of interviews with some people that are part of the international feng shui guild and that's on the, the YouTube channel also. But so it's a series of 10 different practitioners. I think just understanding there's different styles and understanding like, you know, who, who do I want to, you know, who do I connect with? Like looking at these different consultants, you know, who do I, who kind of resonates with me? Like what style they practice. And so we kind of go over a lot of their different styles of feng shui. And um, we just kind of talk feng shui and talk about some impactful uh, client uh, you know, um, consultations that they've had. So, and that's called winning with feng shui, but it's on the learn feng shui, uh, YouTube channel. So I would start there. I would start, um, even with the international feng shui guild has a lot of different, um, consultants you can look through and they're all, um, certified and qualified. You mentioned styles and mm -hmm. feng shui guild a lot. Mm -hmm. What are sort of the varying styles of feng shui? Oh man. So it goes from a classical Eastern approach like me. I've talked to some people like that. And from, so I, the one, the, my favorite one that I did was a her, she was a hermetic witch, but she practices like sex magic and all kinds of stuff, but she incorporates it into feng shui. And so there's all sorts of different things you can incorporate into feng shui. So, yeah. 
So crystals, you know, some people like prefer to use crystals. Um, I just finished, I did an interview with um, a lady named Maureen Calamia. She does what's called biophilic design, which is bringing nature into your home. So there's really a big variety of styles of feng shui that incorporate different principles based on what they have tested and uh, tried. So yeah, all kinds of different things. It's a, it's a big world out there. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just wondering, how did you cultivate your specific style? What types of qualities do you value? Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And so it kind of just happens over time. What happens is you test some things out, you see what works and you kind of go from there. My biggest incorporation of feng shui is a date and time selection. So picking a good day and time, um, positioning your bed, you know, doing those renovations. And so that, I think that's kind of my style is making sure that you pick a good date and time. Why do you like date and time selection so much? Because it triggers a good energy for your space. There's very specific days you can move your bed and position your bed. There are specific days you can do groundbreaking to, you know, open a business. There are specific days that it's the energy supportive to you. So I like helping people find a day that the energy supports them and, and using that day. And when you do all this for different people, what, what's the main thing you look for in clients at the end? What is the sort of result you see where you're like, okay, this is good now? Well, you know, I kind of have an ongoing, uh, and I started that recently because I noticed I would do the feng shui and, you know, I would never really hear much back or, you know, I would have to. So what I've started doing um, the past, you know, few months really is um, keeping in contact with those clients and checking in on them. I want to make sure that everything is working for them. Okay. Like they haven't had any major life changes or anything like that since the feng shui, you know, uh, for the negative, you know, I want to make sure everything's going okay. And so I'm really just an ongoing support and kind of saying like, Hey, how are things going? You know, and and checking in and making sure they're seeing a positive result as opposed to, you know, some things going wrong. Because sometimes working remotely does, it has that challenge where I'm not able to go in and make specific measurements. And so sometimes measurements can be off. And I actually did that with my own home a while back. So I know measurements can be off a little bit, <laughs> you know, to adjust some things if we're not seeing the result. But um, really, you know, and you know, have they met their goal? Like, was that they, what they wanted to achieve with feng shui? Did they have further questions? You know, is there something else that they wanted to, um, you know, kind of focus on? So yeah, just, just by that continued sort of, um, you know, contact and checking in. And if you were to go back in time, what type of advice would you give to your younger self to put you in the same place you are here today? Oh, you know what? Yeah, I probably, I probably wouldn't be in the same place because I feel like I made like the worst mistakes as my younger self. <laughs> and I feel like, you know, what advice would I give myself? Man, that's, that's a, that's a good question. You know, I think the advice I'd probably give myself is to, to, um, <laughs> to that it's going to be okay. <laughs> I just think I would tell myself it's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. And probably, yeah, to be a little more flexible is what I would think. Because, <laughs> yeah. Why be a little bit more flexible? Can you kind of give some more well, details on that? Yeah, I mean, I can um, expose myself here. But I mean, you know, I think, 
you know, as we grow and we age and we have kids and we do all these things, you know, I'm not the same person, of course, you know, I was when I was 19, 20, you know, and like raising my kids, you know, being more flexible with them, being more understanding with them. You know, my oldest son is 23. So I have a 23 year old son and then I have a 12 year old daughter. <laughs> so, and then I have one in between. And so the difference from my son being 23 to, you know, he was 10 years old when she was born. Um, yeah, I mean, I just see, you know, I wish that I would have been more flexible with him at that time, more understanding and, and things like that. So yeah, being more understanding with people's emotions and feelings and, and being more sensitive to that is what I really wish I would have caught on earlier in life. Yeah. Be more understanding. So yeah. how do you apply those lessons now to what you want in the future? What is the future of your career path? Hmm, that's a good question. I mean, I think I would like to start teaching, you know, more formal classes. I would like to start uh, doing some things like that, maybe making some courses. But um, how can I? Well, you know, I think being open to people's um, input and feedback and things like that, I think that's kind of where that understanding comes from, you know, understanding what I think that's the kind of the model of any business really, though, is to understand your customers, your clients and give people what they want. So, yeah, that's what I would take into to my business from that. Any final words you'd like to tell the audience? You know, be, be flexible. <laughs> Really, what I think that I would probably tell people is to be open-minded. You know, I mean, you, you probably watch this and you're like, I don't know, you know, I don't know about feng shui, but go check out that series of interviews I did, you know, go find a feng shui consultant that resonates with you, be open-minded and be open, you know, to making some changes, like what changes do you want to see in life and see if feng shui can help you with that. I believe it can. All right. Thank you for being on the show, Candace. Thank you. Thank Jimbo you for Paris having show. me. Thank you for listening to The Jimbo Parish Show. 